Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Tuesday, January 16th. Today we'll be discussing the key takeaways from the Iowa Republican caucuses and exploring why Israeli politics need a new centrist vision. Plus, we'll delve into North Korea's latest move as Kim shuts agencies working for reunification with South Korea, and we'll examine Trump's surprising win in Iowa that has left pundits stunned. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. In a historic win, former President Donald Trump has clinched the Iowa Republican caucuses despite his ongoing legal battles and a highly unconventional campaign. Abby, our political correspondent, is here to delve into the details. Abby, what does this victory mean for Trump and the Republican Party? Michael, this victory solidifies Trump's hold over the Republican Party. Despite his absence from traditional campaign activities, he's managed to secure an unprecedented margin of victory. This shows how devoted Republicans remain to Trump, even amid his ongoing court appearances and charges tied to his efforts to subvert the 2020 presidential election. Trump's victory seems to have sent a clear message to his primary opponents. Can you talk about that a bit? Absolutely. Trump's message to his primary opponents couldn't have been clearer. It's time to get out and get on board. He even went as far as to congratulate his rivals, which is a departure from his usual approach. This could be seen as a call for unity within the party, signaling that he expects his competitors to fall in line behind him. Let's talk about the other candidates. How did they fare in the caucuses? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley finished second and third respectively, but neither managed to deliver a definitive second-place finish. Both have vowed to continue their campaigns, with Haley hoping to capitalize on a more moderate primary electorate in New Hampshire. DeSantis, on the other hand, is set to visit South Carolina before heading to New Hampshire. So what are the key takeaways from the Iowa GOP caucuses? Firstly, Trump's dominance in the Republican Party remains unchallenged. Secondly, the race is still wide open for the second-place spot, with neither DeSantis nor Haley managing to separate themselves. Thirdly, Trump's legal battles don't seem to have significantly impacted his support base. Lastly, despite the efforts of candidates like DeSantis, the influence of local officials and traditional campaigning seems to be waning in favor of a more nationalized approach. It's clear that the political landscape is shifting. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now, as we observe democracies worldwide, they are grappling with a shift towards post-liberal politics, with identity politics becoming a dominant feature. Let's bring in Abby, our political analyst, to discuss this further. Abby, what's the current global trend in politics? Thanks, Michael. We're seeing a rise in identity politics across the globe, where one's political views are often defined by their ethnic, religious, sexual, or other identities. This trend is replacing class politics and becoming a dominant feature of both left-wing and conservative politics. It's creating a divide, an us-versus-them dynamic, that's causing polarization in many Western democracies. So how does this polarization impact the political discourse and decision-making process? Well, the damage is twofold. First, there's no longer an opportunity to look at each problem on its merits. Instead, decisions are often made based on who proposes an idea, rather than whether it's a good idea. Second, this polarization pushes each side into its own echo chamber, causing a shift towards the polar edges of politics, rather than a fight for the center. Let's take Israel as an example. 
How is this trend manifesting there and what could be the potential solutions? In Israel, the left and right have largely split off into political identities, mirroring the global trend. However, there's a potential shift of power towards the center. Benny Gantz, for instance, has captured many hearts by joining the prime minister and defense minister in forming a war cabinet. But this alone won't be enough. His party needs to present a vision for Israel in 2030, focusing on areas like security, mental health, local power, honesty, and professionalism. So it's about building a new centrist vision. But how can this be achieved in the face of identity politics? It's about finding ways to break the lines of identity politics and instead identify political objectives around new alliances and solutions. This requires significant political leadership, a shift towards more open and transparent communication, and a focus on core services like education, health, and welfare. It's about restoring public faith and reshaping the government. It seems like a challenging task, but as Abby has pointed out, it's crucial for the health of democracies. Now, in a significant move, North Korea's leader, Kim Jong-un, has shut down several government bodies that were working towards reconciliation and reunification with South Korea. Abby, our expert on East Asian affairs, is here to help us understand the implications of this move. Abby, what does this mean for the relationship between the two Koreas? Michael, this move by Kim Jong-un is a clear indication of a further deterioration in relations between the two Koreas. The Supreme People's Assembly, North Korea's parliament, has stated that three organizations handling inter-Korean reconciliation will be shut. This includes the Committee for the Peaceful Reunification of the Country, the National Economic Cooperation Bureau, and the International Tourism Administration. So, Kim Jong-un is essentially saying that unification with South Korea is no longer a possibility. What could have led to this drastic decision? There are several factors at play here. North Korea has recently conducted a series of missile tests, which have been met with criticism and concern from the international community. South Korea, Japan, and the United States have responded by ramping up joint military exercises, which Pyongyang sees as rehearsals for a future invasion. This has likely contributed to the escalating tensions. And what has been the response from South Korea to this move by Kim Jong-un? South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol has criticized North Korea's move, stating that it demonstrates Pyongyang's anti-national and ahistorical nature. This comes after North Korea labeled South Korea a principal enemy and described efforts to reunify with its rival as a mistake that we should no longer make. This is indeed a worrying development. What could this mean for the future of the Korean Peninsula? The implications are potentially far-reaching. With North Korea shutting down these agencies, it's clear that the country is moving away from any potential reconciliation with South Korea. This could lead to increased tensions and instability in the region. It's also worth noting that some analysts believe that Kim Jong-un is genuinely preparing for war, which could have serious global implications. That's a sobering thought, and we'll certainly be keeping a close eye on developments in the region. Now, in a surprising turn of events, former President Trump has made a significant impact on the Iowa caucuses. Abby, our political correspondent, is here to discuss this. Abby, what can you tell us about Trump's victory in Iowa? Well, Michael, Trump's victory in Iowa is a clear indication of his enduring appeal among Republican voters. Despite numerous legal battles and media scrutiny, Trump's support base seems to remain strong. Newt Gingrich, the former House Speaker, has even gone as far as to say that Trump is not just a presidential candidate, 
but the leader of an anti-establishment national political movement. Interesting. And how has this victory been received by the media and other political figures? Fox News chief political analyst Britt Hume has noted that Trump's large margin of victory proves his enduring appeal with Republican voters. He suggests that GOP voters want a political upheaval of the current state of affairs, and they believe Trump is the person most suited to bring it about. On the other hand, Fox News host Sean Hannity remarked that Trump continues to defy all conventional political gravity. So it seems like Trump's appeal is still strong among his base. But what about the broader political landscape? How does this victory in Iowa impact the upcoming political events? Iowa has traditionally been a bellwether state, Michael. Its caucus results often set the tone for the rest of the election cycle. However, it's important to note that the political landscape in other states can be quite different. For instance, former George W. Bush press secretary Ari Fleischer pointed out that New Hampshire, which is next on the political calendar, hosts a much different GOP electorate than Iowa's. He suggested that a candidate like Nikki Haley may have an advantage there. That's a good point, Abby. It's clear that Trump's victory in Iowa has significant implications for the political scene, but it's also crucial to remember that the political landscape can vary greatly from state to state. All right, that wraps up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.